0: y'all, it's Betsy with the Dickey Foundation and you're listening to Dickey's Doing Good, the podcast where we tell good stories about good people doing good things in the community. I'm thrilled because my guest today is Senior Corporal John Lumley. John has been with the Dallas Police Department for 36 years. He's been a detective who's also worked in patrol and domestic violence units, as well as being the current Family Services Officer for Dallas Police Department. Thanks so much for joining me today, John.
1: Absolutely.
0: Wonderful. Well, thanks so much. Uh, So, for those folks who don't know you quite as well as I do, tell us about yourself, your law enforcement career, and how you came to be where you are now.
1: So I've uh, been with DPD for 36 years. Um, I cut my teeth as a rookie um, in our Southeast Division on late nights um, and then uh, worked in a couple of different uh, detective spots and ultimately ended up uh, where I had just probably, I wouldn't say it's the best time of my career, but certainly a good time. I spent 16 years in our domestic violence unit. Um, left there did some more time in patrol uh, and then now assigned to the family services unit which is a dream job for me
0: well tell me what the the family services unit is and and what that all what all that entails
1: so uh, our primary my primary responsibility is um, to work with our employees and their families who are seriously ill seriously injured or die Mm.
2: Um,
1: and so we uh, Offer services to our retirees, or burial services, meaning honors. Mm-hmm. So we coordinate a lot of that, um, and then the the that's the bulk of what I do is working with our retirees. But also, if we have an employee that is seriously ill or passes away, mm-hmm. then um, I come in and do help the family with everything from burial to closing out their. Res- our responsibilities as the city of Dallas with the employees' family.
0: That that must be tremendously helpful for families, to really, during a time of sadness, a time of crisis. Oh,
1: absolutely.
0: Um, I've talked to a number of the guys who are involved with Assist the Officer, and so I imagine that you all interface with them absolutely a fair bit on 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 various things like that. Absolutely. Well, that's that that's fantastic. So, what what has been your favorite thing about being in law enforcement? <laughs>
1: um, I, I would say two things. One is what I do now. Uh, I feel very much called to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a passion for it. Um, I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of dealing with people who are in grief, mm-hmm. which is a calling. A lot of people can't do that. And I feel very comfortable with that. Um, it gets hard sometimes, but you know, it's just part of it. Um, the, the 16 years I spent in the domestic violence unit, uh, I just learned so much. Uh, it actually really helps me even in what I do today. Mm-hmm. Um, learning how to deal with, with people in pain, uh, resources, learning the grief process, all those things really did help that I learned in the domestic violence unit. Um, so, those, are the, those have been the two fun, the two best parts of my career.
0: Sure. And I visited with uh, Elaine Maddox, who's a chaplain for Dallas Fire Rescue, mm-hmm. and she said something very similar about feeling like you're called to do this kind of work. Absolutely. Tell me more about that.
1: So when I was uh, a young lad, I was probably <laughs> four or five, I uh, had a family member that was uh, involved in law enforcement and just kind of attached to that idea. And so my whole life, that is my whole as a child and as a teenager, that is primarily what I wanted to do with the exception of 14 or 15 and I dabbled with going into the ministry Um, didn't really feel called into it um, but there were certain aspects of it that I really enjoyed and so at probably 15 uh, those thoughts uh, working with people in crisis really kind of started developing and just throughout my whole career um, I've worked with uh, employees I work with citizens that have been in crisis and getting to work them through the crisis Um, I can't carry the crisis for them but I can certainly help them through it Um, just it's really an incredible uh, gift um, that that I very much feel God gave me and love the aspect of getting to help people
0: certainly I, I understand my backgrounds in nonprofit I completely so understand absolutely go, yeah. so you spent uh almost 20 years with the domestic violence unit with, with mm-hmm. Dallas Police Department talk to me about that I mean some things change some things don't people are still hurting people uh, but obviously there, there's it's it's taken much more seriously uh publicly that now than it was um, so talk to me kind of about what that was like and kind of how things changed for you over those 20 years or so
1: um, you know, when I first went to the unit, uh, the sergeant who brought me up there really helped educate me in the issues of domestic violence, uh, certainly from a man's perspective and then began, um, began to get me to think about things in different light. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked with some really good folks, um, at, um, uh, the shelters, the district attorney's office, um, who really engaged me in my um, male ways, <laughs> both in thought process and in the way that I dealt with issues. So it really did help um, and really kind of turned my eyes to the real issues of domestic violence. And um, I w- went from blaming victims to blaming perpetrators. hmm Um, We all make stupid decisions or poor decisions, um, but nobody's decisions, not nobody's, nobody deserves to be beat inside their own home. Mm -hmm. And it's just one of those things that I learned and became um, an advocate for. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really difficult being a frontline detective in the domestic violence unit. Those guys handle somewhere between five and 500 and 1,000 cases a year. Wow. Um, Extremely overworked, uh, high pressure. Um, So there's it's really difficult for those guys to to be able to step back and take a bigger picture at it. And I really got lucky and got to take a bigger picture at it. It's just it's so much paperwork that those those guys have to do to get a case from the time the patrol officer answers the call to the time that it gets prosecuted in the courts. Mm -hmm um it's a, it's a whole lot of work
0: well and you you've been a sought after speaker for a you know across the country and particularly here in the state when talking about crimes against women and crimes mm-hmm. against children um and, and you've spoken about the issues of domestic violence and policing and I, to your point there's a lot of paperwork that goes into it but you're you're literally saving lives when yeah. you're doing this yeah um i also think it's really interesting when you talk about changing kind of from the male perspective because there there is a difference between male and female oh absolutely and domestic violence does happen to, to men as well as well but i mean when violence against women it's the same thing if, if you're walking to the walking into the grocery store at 9 30 at night you're just, what, I mean, well, you're a police officer, so you feel differently about it. But as a, as a woman, it, 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 there, there are different issues and there are different Absolutely. concerns. And um, I think that's really interesting. How, so So kind of how did they talk to you to, to kind of get you to, to shift your, your paradigm and your perspective a little?
1: You know, I think um, what's a, that's a good question. I wasn't prepared for that one. <laughs> um, so the people that were in, the advocates that were in my life were victim advocates. And so their perspective was totally opposite of what my perspective was. Not in a confrontational way, but just, I was a police officer. And so they really did a good job of helping me um, understand um, something as simple as parking to go to court. Um, and And that's really benign, but if you think about it, my batterer is gonna be at court with me where do I park my car so that I can walk into the courthouse, so that I can get up on the floor, so that I can walk into the courtroom and try to deal with the man who beat me three weeks ago.
2: Wow. That-
1: um, and <laughs> like you said, that's not even an issue that uh, a man really thinks about. Um, mm-hmm. And for it's, it's an issue that women have every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a close family member who was, uh, a victim of uh, intimate partner violence in the last three years, and I walked the journey with her. And I'm experienced, and I knew the right things to do, in no way or form a fashion attorney, but I knew the right things to do, I knew the right things to say. Uh, And this family member, I mean, I I have so much better idea now why she wanted to say, and give up. And I'm, you know, I'm her biggest cheerleader. Mm And I would give up. So those advocates, uh, the attorneys at the DA's office, uh, some of them just did a really good job of educating me.
0: Well, and to your point, there, there, there is so much that goes through with with standing up and saying stop, and and oh, absolutely. handling and prosecuting. I mean, and quite frankly, it's it's it's. it's for yourself to make it stop, but it's also it's for for the next for the next person that mm. that, that person may have a intimate relationship Absolutely. with. Absolutely, um, that it really um, it, it's standing up and staying saying stop. On Absolutely. Side. So I mean that, that's incredible the work that you're doing there with, with Domestic Violence Unit. You know, what would you say to someone who is interested in, in following in your footsteps, uh, whether that be in domestic violence, whether it be with family services, uh, what that might look like?
1: Ooh, good question. Um, I mean, certainly as um, an officer. Uh, do a really good job on your DV calls pay attention Uh, education is huge Um, our uh, guys and girls in rough estimate it's about 40 to 60% of what they do depending on what time of day they work Mm -hmm. Um, if you work late nights Closer to 60% of what you do is going to be family-related in some form or fashion.
2: Interesting.
1: Whereas if you work days, not as much, mm-hmm. a lot more of the community's out, so you'll have different issues. But just kind of hone your skills, um, uh, pay attention to what victims are telling you, put yourself in their shoes.
0: Um, um, so you have a particularly unique experience with someone following in your footsteps. Your your son JC uh, is a detective with uh, the Dallas Police Department as well.
1: That's absolutely right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, I mean, as a father, that's got it's got to be pretty great to, to feel like he, he's absolutely wanting to follow in your footsteps like that.
1: You know, it was uh, he was a freshman had finished his freshman year at Texas A and M. Whoop and. Uh, <laughs> He came home and said he didn't. He, he was in engineering and came home and said, "You know what? I don't want to be an engineer. So what do you want to do?" And he said, "I want to be an officer." And um, the world of police work had begun to change.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I would, I could even say, substantially in 2012. And he went to the academy and got out. But 2014 uh, Ferguson happened, and that really changed the dynamics in police work. Mm-hmm um i was really happy about it in 12. now i'm a worried parent in 2021 as my son the good thing is is he he doesn't work the streets he is a detective now um which um is a totally different set of problems but it's not the same problems that the guys on the streets have to face
0: Well, and, you know, again, be, being a parent, I, I know that, that my dad worries about me, but I don't think my dad worries about me a lot when I come to work in an office. Talk to me about his father. And, and again, being, being a fellow police officer and knowing the dangers that he faces, talk about that as a parent.
1: You know, um, from 12 uh, to 17, I was uh, in patrol, mm-hmm. so I didn't get calls um, at three o'clock in the morning. Um, and he we have uh, had a, a good relationship. Um, and he would call me in the middle of the night and the phone going off at three o'clock in the morning then uh, uh, would almost wake me up in a panic. Oh wow. because you, you just you never know. Um, now I'm on the job I do now, I'm on call. so the phone rings at three o'clock in the morning. That is not the first thought I go to anymore. <laughs> well,
0: that, that must be a relief. So it's a relief.
1: Um, it, it, a lot of you know restless nights, uh, seven seven and uh, sixteen, uh, when our officers got killed downtown. Um, I was out of town, and he was in the middle of it, and um, you know the the and I, I couldn't get back. Mm-hmm. So that the anguish that that set in. Mm-hmm. You know, was was pretty pretty daunting.
0: Well, to your point, you, you mentioned that the policing really has changed. Um, I mean, you've been in it for for uh, thirty six years now. I mean, talk to me more about kind of how that's really changed. I mean, we know that we, whether it's body cameras or people having cell phones and and things like that. And obviously, the last the last few years I think have been um, challenging um, years, particularly. Uh, but talk to me a little bit, kind of how you've really seen it change, and and would you go back and do it all over again?
1: I think I would, Um, at least the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, all professions have issues, Um, Dickies we have issues, DVD (laughs) we have issues, Um, it's just such a limelight. In the police world Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, nobody is perfect and nobody gets it right every time Mm -hmm. and the consequences I think for our officers in particular the guys on the streets um, is just huge I I don't know what else I would have done if I look back and think about what else there was to do I don't know what else I would have done but I think I would have looked at my alternatives better. <laughs> but the, the job itself has just been, it's, it's crazy. It's unbelievable. Um, just as soon as you think you have seen it all, you know, something else happens and you go, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. One of the things that really goes back to the domestic violence, but one of the things that really shocked me about the domestic violence world is how horrible our society, treats our intimate partners meaning the crazy things that we do to the people we love uh, it was really shocking
2: mm-hmm. both from
1: an intimate partner standpoint but also from our kids, the elderly. Um, and that's of course clearly that's not the majority but the horrible things that we do. And I, I grew up in a, in a solid home, you know, two parents no domestic violence none of that um, but just to to watch what people who supposedly love each other what they do to each other is just crazy
0: well and it really cuts across all class all, oh, place, absolutely. all everything you've been been to every neighborhood to respond to something oh absolutely like that
1: I mean, one of the things that we learned we we were we when we first started doing our domestic violence packet one of the things that we learned was um the Domestic violence does happen across all the spectrum. The difference is, is the lower socioeconomic have fewer tools to deal with the issue. So they call the police more. Interesting. Um, Your victim that lives in in Highland Park has has the ability to put a hotel at the Hyde Hyde Hotel up for a week and and not blink an eye. The lady who has two children and is living out of her car because she left her abuser. or where does she go she lives in her car and all the issues that go along with that so the the disadvantage associated um, they call the police more not that it happens more they just call the police more because they have fewer resources
0: well and i've visited with other officers who've been involved with their domestic violence units and talking about the fact that, yes, you're, you're showing up and you're, you're stopping it in that moment, but also that you need to be um, a source for resources for, for, for those folks as well.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: We, as uh, on the outside, um, expect victims to respond to what we say.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that's completely false. You know, <laughs> if, if we look at any other part of our society, just because somebody recommends it doesn't mean we do it but yet we expect victims to do it. And then when victims don't do what we tell them to do, we get mad at them. Um, And then another really good saying that I learned uh, in domestic violence is leaving is a process, not an event. So So when officers respond to a call, they're responding to an event. Granted, it could be a horrible event, but it's an event. We expect her to react on that event, and leaving any of us, leaving our intimate partner, really probably leaving any place that we consider safe, isn't a, is a process. Not where do I go? Who do I stay with? How do I pay for it? Those are things that take some time to develop. Not you know at the snap of a finger you walk out the door. But yet we police can be pretty bad about it, but society can be bad about it. You see, parents do it all the time with their adult children. Well, you need to leave. You know that's not necessarily that easy
0: so Kid, very, kids don't come with an instruction manual the same way you know intimate oh absolutely
1: <laughs> absolutely yeah absolutely
0: well so is, is there an experience either with with family services or with domestic violence or was there an experience or two that really kind of touched your heart and stayed with you over the years
2: uh
1: you know in the unit i work in now um i have done about 80 funerals in two wow. and a half years i've worked on about 80 funerals
0: and the, Almost all of those are not active duty. Yeah,
1: but uh, 10 of those were active duty. So okay. the other 70 are, are, are former employees, retirees. Mm-hmm. Um, and the two that have the most daunting memories for me, uh, were actually of employees' children. Oh. Um, uh, we, our department had an employee lost a seven month old, seven month old and then we had an employee that lost an 18 year old. And um, those were just, um, it was just devastating. You know, both as a parent and and as an officer to watch the families have to go through that kind of pain. Um, uh, There's too many to remember in the domestic violence unit. Uh, Patrol is just wild and it's, um, you know, I've, done everything from my best Spanish Filipino interpretation that helped catch some robbery suspects to uh, getting people out of uh, car wrecks. I mean, just, it, it's it's wild to, to, um, to see all the things that an officer in a major city sees.
0: Well, and I was talking to another officer and they were saying, you respond to more naked people like Dallas keep your clothes on
1: mm. on patrol oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they start smoking that, that wacky weed
0: at, uh, PCP
1: and that's uh, what I think PCP uh, tells your brain that you're hot oh so they take their clothes off oh when they're when they're using the, that that particular drug so that's why you you know it's three o'clock in the morning and you see a 35 year old female run down the road naked uh, sweating profusely, then and that's, and that's, a, that's a great indication that she's probably on you smoking the wacky weed and then huh. lacing it with PCP. So it's
0: keep your clo- clothes on, Dallas. Keep your clothes on, Dallas. Right. There you go. <laughs> right. Okay. So you, you have spent a career really helping people. Who, who are three people who really helped you and helped shape how you are?
2: Uh,
1: a retired deputy chief by the name of Chess Williams. Um, Probably, I have a really good friend uh, that is on the police department right now, a guy by the name of Jim Mismatch. Um, the third one, I'd have to think about a little bit. <laughs> all
0: right, we uh, can go with two. Then. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> so, uh, what do you what do you think is the most important thing you've learned so far?
1: Um treat other people, meaning the people that I come with in contact on a daily basis, treat them with the same respect that I want to be treated with. Whether that's a victim, a family member, um, you know, a small child, I you, you treat. And that's the, really the way, and it took me a while, my education, is, my bachelor's degree is in Christian education. I went to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And I went when I was 32. Uh, so I was an adult, you know, had done all the other stuff and I was an adult. Um, and that probably had the biggest impact on me on how to treat people, mm-hmm. just the things I learned there. And then turn around and come back and use that in the domestic violence field, use that in the field that I am now. And the basic line is, is whether they're high on PCB or, you know, stuck in a car, in a car accident. Just treat people the way you you want to be treated.
0: Absolutely. So what's next for you?
1: Uh, At least work for the next three, three and a half years. Don't (laughs) anticipate that that's going to change. Not sure after that, Um, that'll give me 40 years. That's quite Uh, some time. That's that's a little bit of time, especially today. I'm surprised, you know, when when I was a kid, everybody worked at the same company for 30 years, 40 years. Uh, but now we just don't see that very often at all.
0: You don't, you don't. All right. So what question did I not ask that I should have?
1: Oh, how good is Dickie's barbecue?
0: <laughs> well, you know what, <laughs> that right there is actually a great transition because at the end of all of our interviews, well, I, I've got to ask it. So what's your favorite Dickie's meat and favorite Dickie's side?
1: So I went to Dickie's on, um, Tuesday night. All right. Um, we had a baked potato, but that was because it was on special.
0: And our, ba- I have to say, our bakers are delicious. I think they're yeah, the it was secret. really good. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the chicken spinach cheese baker. <laughs> no, the not, spinach, not a fan of yeah. spinach. Yeah, okay, I, you know, I,
1: I did, I've never had anything bad at Dickies. so we'll <laughs> say take the safe and go with the, all of it. Okay.
0: <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go into our lightning round. I'm going to give you two choices, and you're going to tell me your favorite. Okay. All right, we'll start with an easy one. Barbecue beans or jalapeno beans?
1: 50-50.
0: Okay, sweet or unsweet tea? Oh, sweet. Of course, we're in the South. Yeah, we're in Texas, absolutely. all right. Chopped brisket or sliced brisket? Chopped. Sauce or no sauce?
1: Uh, sauce on the side.
0: Me too, I'm with you on that. Brisket yeah. or pulled pork? Brisket. And last but not least, ribs or wings? Ribs. Heck yeah, I'm all about it. Well, thank you so much for joining me. My guest today has been Senior Corporal John Lumley with the Dallas Police Department. John, thank you so much for everything you do for Dallas uh, and for our community, and thanks for joining me today.
1: Absolutely, it's been a pleasure.